Yeah, I mean, as an artist, you never stop learning. Yeah. You, you can never be complacent. Even the pioneers of SMP will still be learning, you know, people that have been doing it for like 13, 14 years. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Founder Stories. Today I have with me the CEO and founder of Elixir Micropigmentation, Mr. J. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Founder Stories. Today I have with me the CEO and founder of Elixir Micropigmentation, Mr. J. Gruel. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having us, Simon. You also are, for those of you that don't know, I have had, we'll get into this in the podcast, but I've had two hair transplants, which I wasn't happy with and I was super self-conscious. And then I found you by seeking out what I consider to be the best SMP artist, spending hours, probably weeks actually, researching online, looking at Instagram, looking at all the results, to try and find the most natural result and style that I wanted. And I reached out to you and you've now done two and a half slash three treatments on me. And I'm so much more confident and I'm so happy with the look that I've got now versus the hair transplant. So we'll, we'll get into that. But Jay is also my SMP artist. I'm blessed to have him as my SMP artist. For those of you that are watching or listening that don't know what SMP is, it is still kind of like, if you know about it, you think everyone knows about it, but it's not as exposed as I'm sure it will be in five or 10 years. So tell me about SMP. What is it? How does it differ from a hair transplant? So now scalp micropigmentation is probably on, on the, you know, we're, we're probably like the fastest growing hair loss solution in the world uh, due to it being uh, non-invasive uh, non and um, it's just come in, get it done, you know, a little down care. And also the, also, the, the actual procedure is guaranteed. It's guaranteed to work, you know, yeah. uh, unlike a hair transplant. And, um, you know, SMP can help um, bold guys just, you know, you, you can you can have a total transformation with a new hairline. Yeah. The type of guys that we get are, you know, sometimes lawyers, accountants, solicitors, uh, where we might get someone quite young where they might want, want more of a frame up yeah. and more of an edge up. But so, it's ultimately what it is, is a you're tattooing onto the scalp. Exactly. So it's a medical hair tattoo. It's yeah. uh, a re replication of hair follicles. Yeah. But with that, you can also uh, use scalp micropigmentation for density enhancement procedures for women and men as well. Okay, so that I've seen where there's hair there, but maybe for a medical reason, a female might have thin hair. Absolutely. Actually, the difference between you doing the pigmentation and filling in the gaps is incredible. You can't see the thinness because you don't see the scalp then. Exactly, so we can't build that contrast. Um, also as an SMP artist, what we can do is um, camouflage scars. So we're talking about accidental scars, chemical burns, accidental um, hair transplant scars. Yeah. So as an SMP artist, we're, our, our main aim is to obviously make the scalp look um, you know a lot more fuller, better, healthier, whatever it is. It can be for a cosmetic reason like me, or it can be which I guess is even more fulfilling for you for a medical reason to help someone that's got an issue actually get more confident about themselves. We'll reverse right back to your journey, but I kind of like to go forwards and then backwards. How did you get started in SMP? Right, so me at the age of 22, um, I started losing hair. Okay, um, yeah, me too actually. I shaved my head I think at 21. Probably about the same, yeah. yeah. It's not a nice feeling, right? Is, was there any reason that you had hair loss that 
brought it on faster or was it just hereditary? I would say so. There's always like different factors. You yeah. know, uh, we, we always kind of claim, right, it might be stress or it might be um, in genetics or whatever. But um, Or in my case, I went to the gym and they really pushed on me at that time, the gym I was going to, bodybuilding these over-the-counter, legal, but only legal because they hadn't been tested and banned yet. Right. Pro-hormones, they call them. Okay. So you're selling to a kid who's 21, who's got really high testosterone anyway, who doesn't need more testosterone, these pro-hormones that actually have the effect of increasing DHT, DHT. Which is linked in. Which is linked to hair loss. So that was one of your reasons. I think it was the main reason why I lost it probably 10 years ahead of when I would have. I think mine was a lot of overstyling, um, and I, I suppose there were various factors that affected my hair loss. I mean, yeah. but um, at the age of 22, I mean, I was using um, the hair fibers, and um, I remember seeing an advert, and I thought, okay, right, hair fibers, this could totally transform my hairline. And back then, no one had heard about hair fibers. It yeah. was like a big secret, you know, and I was telling my friends about it and so on. It was just like, and it was magical. I mean, I was actually covering up my hairline. Even my girlfriend at the time wouldn't even notice that I've had them done, you know, had hair fibers in my hair. So my insecurities about my hair loss kind of uh, put me on the platform that I'm on today to help others. Yeah. Um, well, it's got me into it. I mean, I started cutting hair after university or while university. Um, so that um, kind of got, and I generally, I just had a lot of interest in hair, yeah. um, you know, restoring hairlines. So you were cutting hair, you were a hairdresser, right? How, how did you transition from being a hairdresser to SMP? With that, obviously it comes, it, it, it's a particular skill i mean it comes with a lot of practice yeah. um a lot of mannequin work a lot of fake skin work. i was gonna I was ask how do you practice because yeah. if you get started and you, you you can't advertise to people hey i'm really new i mean i might mess your head up but i'll give you 50 percent off can you come practice that you practice on a mannequin right or you practice on i was playing it extra safe when i first got trained yeah. um one of my best friends uh gertz pank he actually works for me at the moment yeah. um you know we we work together and um ironically enough you know he was one of the first heads that i did about seven years ago from my living room <laughs> you know yeah. so i'm from so he where trusted you exactly yeah. exactly well trusted me enough obviously he was quite nervous about it you know i was like hey you, you know you, you're one of the first heads i'm doing yeah um you don't need to pay me but um I, i'm confident that you know it will look better and i guess you can take it bit by bit instead of doing the whole lot in one go and going really aggressive with how much you put in you can do a little bit look at it analyze it do a little bit more with someone like that, because it's your friend and you can keep having them back, right? Exactly. And this is how we kind of train our students. You know, we really dilute the pigment so yeah. that when it settles in, it settles in quite light and yeah. we gradually build it up. And even with our clients, you must have noticed that, you know, we start off very light yeah. because someone might want a scalp micropigmentation procedure. It's like, okay, I want this, but it's like, okay, we need to take it in baby steps. We need yeah. to gradually bring your hairline lower. Yeah. We need to gradually go um, go darker because a lot of these individuals probably haven't had a hairline for 10, 15, 20, 25 yes, years. It's a shock, yeah. Because like, you brought my hairline forward. Uh, before, but before we get into that, so did did you seek out, you you made a decision presumably for yourself, okay, I really want to transition from hairdressing to SMP. Exactly. Did, who did your SMP? Um, uh, did they do it at that time? And that's what gave you the bug. I'm just trying to understand 
What was I, the spark that moved you from hairdresser to SMP? Artist? So, so, so the barbering aspect, I was only a barber for like, I wouldn't say I was a barber in particular. I mean, I was, it was more like transitioning from like a corporate role to university, from okay. university kind of filling in the gaps. Yeah. Um, directly before my scalp micropigmentation journey, I was a software consultant. Okay. You know, um, what transitioned me to learn SMP was one, uh, I had tried every, pretty much every hair loss procedure for your own hair. For my own hair. I was trying the medication. Um, I, I, I had a hair transplant when I was 24. And obviously hair transplants back then were kind of unheard of. It's mm -hmm. like, yeah, right, you're going for a transplant, right? Okay, that's, pro that's probably not gonna work. That's gonna be the worst decision you're gonna make. Yeah. But you see how they've gone pretty good now and it's like at a very good level. Back then, I mean, like 15 years ago, 14 years ago, whatever it was, it was like yeah, quite unheard like of. Almost in some cases cutting skin yeah. off the back of your head and putting it on the top of your head, exactly. leaving you with a massive scar. Exactly. And I think with with my mentality, I kind of go in a, into a rabbit hole of research. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I focus on something, I get obsessed with something. Um, so I started researching so much into hair loss, you know, the yeah. cures, the, the causes and so on, the, you know, the science behind hair loss. Yeah. And I just thought scalp micropigmentation could be the future. Mm. I had not seen, I mean, it wasn't a mainstream procedure. I mean, back then, if you told me that you're going to tackle my head, I'll be like, hell no, right? Yeah. But I thought, what a fantastic idea. Mm. And then slowly my interest into scalp micropigmentation, as an industry, scalp micropigmentation started growing around the globe. Obviously, yeah. it was founded in the UK, but um, it started, get, started getting better, bigger and bigger. Yeah. And um, I thought, right, th th I, I want to learn this art. You know, I think it can help endless amount of people. So did you seek out an artist to do a treatment on you? Exactly. So once I got into, um, once I trained um, scalp micropigmentation, um, I got my procedure done around the same time as well. Yeah. Um, the yeah. as the training yeah. because my hairline was intact because I had a hair transplant I had nothing in between and hair but so I had to do something about it and that's the what they don't really tell you if you like having short hair and you have a hair transplant it's very difficult for them to get a consistent density from front to back so you can achieve that short hair look typically a hair transplant works well if you've got good hair coverage and you're either just filling in the bold spot at the back or just bringing the hairline forward. Exactly. Not wanting to sort of shave your head. Exactly. Um, so you need to be a good candidate for it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and some of the results, I mean, they look incredible, but those people are different and SMP will be for, for different candidates. Correct. And I guess you would tell people if they came to you and they wanted to have their hair long that they would be better off with a hair transplant because you only want to do treatments on people that are right for you. I think that's so important. And um, I think uh, generally a lot of clients do a lot more research now. Yeah. Before it was like, okay, uh, I've got I've got the money. Uh, let me just go and get a hair transplant. It's, it's not as simple as that, yeah. you know? So, uh, and this is where, uh, because it's so personal and it affects confidence and so on, um, I think pointing a client into the right direction is always um, the best method. Yeah, and that, I mean, that's a good advice in any business. If you point someone and they end up getting a really good result mm -hmm. for a hair transplant, when they've got a mate who prefers the shaved head look, they're exactly. going to straight away say, well, I had a chat with Jay and actually SMP would be perfect for you. And they're going to happily recommend someone back to you. Exactly. 
it's just planting seeds. I always think about it. People say, oh, "Why, why do you, as CEO of Growfat, still offer free consultation calls?" Uh, and you're saying they're not sales calls because I like talking to people and I like helping people. And mm-hmm. if you do that enough, eventually it'll come back around for you. Mm-hmm. So, what does your business do now? This is like, okay, you've got trained. You started out eight years ago on your mates. Between then and now, how many treatments do you reckon you've done? Thousands. Thousands, yeah. So you, the quality of your own work, plus from what you've said in terms of going into a rabbit hole about learning, you've not just been doing the treatments, but you've probably also been going on courses, going to speak to other artists, learning, observing, all of that in the meantime exactly. to get better. Exactly. Um, so since then, I mean, um, the whole industry has changed. And I think um, as... Um, there's better and better artists coming out, just yeah. like the tattooing industry or any kind of industry. We're kind of all pushing each other's limits. And people will travel now, like with tattoos. I'm thinking about my next sort of phase of getting tattoos, and I, we spoke about yours and the quality. Mm-hmm. And if you see a really great tattoo artist and they're in Europe somewhere, you would just take a trip for the weekend. Exactly. Because it's something that's on you forever. Mm-hmm. And I know that you get clients coming to visit you, flying in from overseas. Pretty much, uh, we, we've actually had a client, pretty, we, we get a, quite a few clients from the Middle East, yeah. Europe. Um, I mean, the good thing is being cl- right close to Heathrow Airport, they'll fly in for a procedure in the morning yeah. and by the evening they can get a flight back. Yeah. Um, and the convenience of that is, uh, you know, uh, and, um, and they're not all bandaged up like I was when I came back from Istanbul. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's it's straightforward. Bleeding I mean, all over the air, uh, all over the airplane seat. Yeah. So you get some clients that will come in from up north, or um, you know they'll they'll spend the day or the weekend out in um, in London and get their procedure done at the same time. Yeah. I mean, there's literally no downtime, as you know. Yeah. What do you do? What's your routine? Because presumably your goal is to be up there as one of the best, if not the best, SMP artists in the world. What do you do in that eight-year period to get to where you are now, which is well-renowned as one of the best and training other people? Do you go and visit other SMP artists? Are you going on courses? Because it's such a creative new thing. How do you make yourself better? I'm kind of borderline obsessed, would you say? Um, I'm obsessed with the industry. I love the industry. I've seen it grow from pretty much the beginning to now. Yeah. Um, networking is so important. Networking and with different different SMP artists around yeah. the world. Yeah. Uh, we've got sponsorship deals where we're working with FYT needles, which are some of the best SMP needles in the world. We're working together um, as um, collectively as sponsored artists. So to it's kind not of just that your needle. skill. You're actually looking at the instruments you use. And how can you work with the suppliers to make them better? The instruments from when we, when we started to now have just massively improved. We're talking pigment uh, machines, needles in particular. Um, so networking and also just um, obviously what we're part of is Leaders SMP Academy, which is the best SMP Academy or the biggest SMP Academy in the world, okay. right? So it's a collaboration of 10 SMP artists. Yeah. And we travel around the world. the world. Yeah, exactly. So it's like a mastermind for business owners. Exactly. But is it is it to help each other with some of the business elements, like how to attract, convert, deliver to clients, or is it more on how to be the best? We're SMP constantly artists? having those, those those discussions. Yeah, so it's like a mastermind. Then, exactly. Yeah. So you're obviously talking about because you're not competing with each other. You're in different areas of the world. Exactly. And you're talking about how to be better at your craft, but also what's business. working for people, I guess, in terms of 
marketing, content, Absolutely. pricing, sales, delivery, aftercare, software systems, everything. A lot of these American SMB artists, really, I, I admire them because of the work ethic. Mm. I think generally the work ethic out in the US yeah. is a lot more higher. The work ethic and just the mindset. Mindset. They have a 10x mindset. I think most people in the UK have a 2x mindset. Mm-hmm. which is let me just incrementally grow my business a little bit each year. And that's good. That's fine. Whereas actually it's a lot easier to just say, well, how do I 10X this business Absolutely. over X period of time? What big moves do I need to make? Absolutely. Totally agree. I think I think we can learn a lot. And that utilizing the global market. So I used to be in a mastermind similar. It was actually eight accountancy firms, but they were in the UK. Mm-hmm. And we left it because we just found that actually in the UK, even though those were hand-selected by a coach who had eight groups of eight all around the world, I've talked about this on the podcast before, these were supposedly the eight leading at the forefront accountancy firms in the UK, but we weren't really learning anything. They were coming to us because we were at the forefront of technologies and pricing and packaging and bringing in advice as part of the, you know, and if you're in a mastermind, you want some of the people to be learning from you, you want to be really around the middle, don't you? You're able exactly. to impart your wisdom on some people, but you've got at least four or five of the people in that group who are better than you. Absolutely. That you can learn from. You have to surround yourself with people that you aspire to be like. And that are also like-minded. Open, positive, yeah. big picture. Yeah, 100%. Um, what are your goals for the business moving forward then? So if you check... Jay out online and check out Elixir on Instagram, you'll clearly see the quality of the work is up there and you're in this top 10 globally of, mm-hmm. of SMP artists. Like, where do you go from there? What are the goals with your business moving forward? Launching SMP on a more of a global... So you'll see how a lot of the SMP artists, um, all the best SMP artists, um, you know, within the UK, within the West, Europe, uh, the US for sure. Uh, You know, London being probably one of the most competitive markets in the world in terms of S&P artists. Mm. Um, I think just globally taking it onto another level. I know we're on par with hair transplants, but kind of, you know, globally making it more of a mainstream procedure. Um, So at the moment we're talking to many here. I mean, you know, um, I'm actually doing a class out in Mumbai in October. We've got 10, pretty much 10 students lined up for that class. And you won't imagine about half of the students are doctors. So these are guys in India that want to add SMP to what they can do and they'll come and you'll train them. About eight years ago, right? Um, when you told a doctor or a hair transplant doctor about SMP, they will just kind of, they won't even blink an eyelid or think, that seems a bit crazy. Mm. But now things have changed where it's like, hey, I want to learn. And they're respecting the result. I guess 10 years ago, there may have been a handful of people that could achieve a natural looking result. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the time you will see people walking around and you can straight away see that they've had SMP. Now I see people... It's two or three people in my gym in Solihull and David Lloyd in Solihull that I go to sometimes. I know they've had SMP, mm-hmm. but it looks so natural. Yeah. yeah. It looks great. And and that's the thing. A lot of men, um, especially like the younger generation, they're like, hey, I don't care if anyone notices I've had SMP. I just yeah. want it to look good. Yeah, and it gives you the hairline and it achieves the 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 look of hair mm-hmm. in a it different way. It transforms your face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. You'll see that. Um, being like a spokesman, I mean, I want to get involved more in conferences, um, talking about SMP. Um, we're doing a talk in September in Dubai, um, one of the largest, uh, 
semi-permanent makeup conferences. Do people approach you for this now? Do you have a PR agency? How do you transition from, so you've gone through eight years of just trying to be the best and letting your results speak for themselves. Mm -hmm. Do people then seek you out to run these training courses in Mumbai and to speak at these events? Or are you actively going out and seeking those opportunities? Um, it'll be a bit of both. Okay. It'll be a bit of Because it is really important as a yeah. business owner to think about your authority in the market. And you mm -hmm. do have to do things mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. through the year mm -hmm. to reinforce that you are yeah. an authority in the market. Also, traveling into the countries where they haven't even heard about SMB. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about... Um, India, you know, Dubai. I mean, I started traveling out in Dubai for training back in 2018. Yeah. That was the first time I went out there. And it's like, and I'm, I'm, I'm one of the reasons why the new era of SMP, I mean, before, before I went to Dubai, I was, I was just dealing with clients that had botched heads, yeah. blue green heads, you know, and they needed <laughs> removal yeah. and it was really bad stuff. Yeah. So slowly started training um, students out there. I mean, majority of the students that are practicing SMP out in the Middle East or Dubai, I mean, I've had some sort of involvement in, and that's just one individual. I mean, imagine I go into other parts of the world, you know, and randomly go out to China, yeah. you know, to train SMP. So I think just taking it on a global level uh, will be such a great idea because um, I, I think we, we, you know, there's enough bold guys for everyone. And I think making yeah. this mainstream procedure yeah, like yeah, a mainstream sure. norm. For sure. It's not competition. Yeah, it's actually yeah. just helping you because it makes it have more exposure across and the world. And the better I train my students, the, the better it is for the industry yeah. as a whole. And through this journey and up to now, I always talk about a business having to attract, convert and deliver to clients. And I think it's a nice triangle that people can think of if they're listening a business should attract potential clients it should be able to convert them into paying clients these prospects and deliver a world-class service so that you then get referrals mm -hmm. and they're happy and you get reward out of that because you've done a good job has it changed the way that you attracted potential clients from when you first started to now how do you do it now and how did you do it then like because for this podcast i really want people to be able to be not where you are aspiring mm -hmm. they may not even be an smp they may be in hair transplants they may be in cosmetic dentists they may be some other kind of yeah. industry service industry what did you do to get off the ground because some people really struggle with that at the start it's really not easy i mean getting off the ground um the first year or so um and i go through this with my own students it's like hey you know the first year or so is your make and break you know if you're not doing something within the first year forget it so when you train people do you also train them in the business aspect of we do touch base on it because yeah. that's the part i struggled on yeah. and that's the part to be honest pretty much all our students struggle on and that could be something for the future then if you're not already doing it is to put them through the technical training and then offer the business side a group yeah. coaching program depending on their level yeah. Because everyone needs that. That's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that just is, is not easy. And I warn every student about that. You know, finding your first few clients, I could be like, hey, you know, for the first month or two, you, you'll probably be doing clients for free. You know, mm -hmm. find some... Find some people that are good on camera that are, you know that will that will be okay with their photos that you know record content. Content is key. Content yeah. is currency. I mean, the more content you take out yeah. and get out on your Instagram, um, the, the the better. And um, I think the first ten clients or so uh, is definitely challenging. And you know, on top of that, being nervous and so on. Um, so I think it's changed, and I think it's got more difficult. Yeah, because say you're a dentist, right? My wife's a dentist. She's retired now, but. 
she would go as an associate and join a practice. That yeah. practice has a local area. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows they're there. Mm -hmm. They've already got marketing in place because they'll leaflet the area. They'll have an email list. It's, a, it's an established business. Yeah. If you're starting up a dental practice, you get a physical location, you do a big launch party, you fly the whole local area. It's not like that with SMP because it's not like everyone's got teeth. You yeah. need to find the people that have a hair loss problem, but also want to have that clipped hair look or have a medical issue where you can, they don't necessarily have to have the clipped hair look. Like you said, you can you can thicken out hair if it's thinning, mm -hmm. but, but you need someone with a hair loss problem that's open to SMP. It's totally different. How do you find them? Because you can put content out and I think that just works organically, they will come to you. I spoke about this, uh, it's Monday today, I spoke about this on Friday with the podcast guest, but they were willing to do that for five, six years mm -hmm, mm -hmm. without any reward. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And eventually people will find your content and come to you. But how, what do you do in the meantime, in year one? What are some techniques that people can use? Can you partner with hair transplant clinics? Absolutely. Barbers, hair transplant clinics, yeah. um, anyone within the industry. Um, you can you can you can obviously uh, work with a referral program and just say, yeah. right, okay, any any clients that you send us, yeah, we'll give you a presentation. Which is great advice, because that's how we grew in the first few years, basically, is partnerships. Yeah, partnerships. It's all about networking. It's yeah. all about just doing the groundwork. I remember going out leaflet dropping. I was go, go, going out from clinic to clinic, you know. Um at the time, I mean, eight years ago, I didn't even have the revenue to kind of start up my own clinic. And I was just like, right, okay, how do I get in with a clinic on a referral program? How, how yeah, do I just... they may have someone who can only come in on a certain date and they're fully booked. Exactly. So if you say to them, I'll do treatments and just split it 50-50 exactly. or 75-25 or whatever they'll agree to, mm -hmm. that's then a good way to get started. Exactly. Simon, so, mean, as we know, everything is possible and, you know, if you put your mind to it. Yeah, and you have to be consistent, confident, deliberate, also resourceful. Resourceful yeah. is the big one, isn't yeah. it? Because if you sat down there with a pen and paper and really thought about it with a mindset of, I'll make this work. Put it this way, with my mindset, even if I was to learn SMP, uh, if I was to take the eight years and start all over again, yeah. I will make it work yeah. in more of a competitive environment because I, I'm not a quitter. I'm just a go, 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 right? So I, I know after the hundredth email, I probably still won't get a reply, but yeah. I will just keep going. But the best thing I guess then is if if a business owner is in that initial phase, I always say get get a coach or a mentor. Yeah. We'll reach out to people like you on Instagram and say, I've just set up my SMP clinic. Here's what I'm doing. Have you got any advice for me? Because people will help. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. don't just try and do everything on your own. And, you know, the, the you, you get your rewards, um, you know, uh, you start seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, have you had any recognition on that? Like, have you won any awards? Um, what's been the recognition and the nice things yeah. that happened to your business? Um, I got a Rising Star Award uh, back in um, 2019. I think it was about, about a year and a half into my career. Yeah. Um, so I got recognized for that, which was, which was a great feeling. Mm. Um and, um, you know, we've been nominated for a few other things, but, um, yeah, that was the actual award that I won. And I thought, right. Okay. You know, that took me, it, it, it felt good, yeah. you know, that's an industry award yeah. voted for. Exactly. By based industry on the professionals quality of work, yeah. off my work. That's what it's based on. Yeah. Tell me, this is an interesting one, just as an aside, cause we've done quite a lot of business chat. 
I know that you love Dubai. I love Dubai. Mm-hmm. Tell me why you love Dubai so much. And I see you there on your stories and on your Instagram. And we've spoken about it every time. What are some of the reasons why you love Dubai? And if you want to talk about it, what are some of the reasons why you're taking your business over to Dubai? So Dubai, uh, I consider that as my second home. Um, I'll probably visit Dubai about three times a year now, four times a year. Uh, Your background is not Middle Eastern, right? What's your background? I'm Punjabi. It's not like you love Dubai because you instantly align with the culture and the values. Actually, it's probably quite different to yours. Exactly. Exactly. But you still love the place regardless, right? I think um, lifestyle yeah. um, and I think networking opportunities, business opportunities um, and just me being out. Okay. So me being a popular SMP artist in the UK, uh, which is like competitive as hell, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but me being out in Dubai, it, it's like a speciality and me kind of, uh, training majority of the SMP artists out there so I get more uh, I, I get recognised out there a lot yeah, more yeah. you know um, and um, I think as I said you know the Middle East easy to get to mm-hmm. students mm-hmm. you know so I'm thinking and as soon as I get out there I just kind of feel that positive energy and I go with that it's a different I like what you were saying about people from the US and this is one of the reasons why we don't we don't we're not financially motivated to have a business with Tony Robbins. The reason we like to 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 support Tony and support people that go to his business mastery events is the the mindset of the people that go to business mastery is totally different to any other business person that you come into contact with. So open, so warm, so loving in a way. They're very trusting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they want to take advice from you. Yeah which you'll find is more aligned with people in the US. And I think people who've moved to Dubai who are building that entrepreneurial culture, which is building and building and gaining more and more momentum, they've moved there because they're around like-minded people. Yeah, absolutely. I speak to so many of the parents. Uh, my kids go to a private prep school. They're just shifting over to a new one, Solihull School in September. Mm-hmm. Whenever you speak to the parents, I don't want to be too topical in this podcast, but... The general consensus with anyone who knows anything is that this country is on a, England is on a downward slide. It's going to be very, very difficult to bring it back up again. And things in the short term anyway, just getting worse and worse. So the attitude of people is more and more scarcity and not positivity and growth and big moves and entrepreneurs and mindset and all of this other stuff. And so many people, you don't realize until you ask them, are already thinking, where could we move to? And it's only because the kids are in school now and our kids are in school that I wouldn't consider spending at least six months out of the UK, which would also benefit me because then I wouldn't pay any UK income tax. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But you can't do that once you've got kids in the school system, they've got all their friends, they're playing football. There's loads of stuff I love about England, football being one of them. Yeah, yeah. But the rest of it, I could take it or leave it, you know? I do my own thing, I work from home, I meet with people like you Mm -hmm. individually. But I think if you live in Dubai, you can go out and go to a co-working space or go to uh, a bar or a restaurant or whatever. And you're just meeting with all these different entrepreneurs who've got this open-mindedness. Yeah. And the networking, the the conversations I'm having with people out there, um, I I would say, you know, to a point, but I've probably got more network out there 
than out in London. Yeah. That's because we're, I'm just meeting like-minded people and everyone's kind of speaking that same language. And they're not tired. It's almost like they're at the start of their entrepreneurial journey. They want to build their network. It's like, how can I help you? And at some point I know you'll be able to help me. Yeah. Whereas in England, I think everything's really established. See, I love that energy. Yeah. I really love that. I mean, that that there just really motivates me. Um, I mean, you know, the, the, you you get ups and downs in business and, you know, some days I'm just so demotivated. I'm just so, it, it kind of gets lonely, right? Mm. Being an entrepreneur, it's like, yeah. right, okay, who who do I go to? Who do I speak to? I mean, you know, who what like-minded people have I got yeah, around you? Yeah, need to buzz off other people sometimes. Exactly. And uh, then you might have the negativity or whatever. And I, I think having that positive energy and those positive ideas, mm. you know, others are, you know, amount of meetings I've been to where they're like, hey, I'll invest in your business. This is how it will work. This is what you, you can do. And, you know, amount of those conversations that I've had with people out there is just, it's just unreal. Yes, yeah, one of the reasons why we are opening an office in Dubai, actually moving a team member out to Dubai full time mm -hmm. to open a growth factor office mm -hmm. because people in Dubai don't need uh, tax advice and tax filing, although that will start to come in. Mm -hmm. But what we found happen is people from outside of Dubai have moved to Dubai, yeah? Yep. They think, well, I don't need to file any taxes, mm -hmm. so I won't do anything with my accounting. Mm -hmm. So either they're spending too much money because they're trying to run the business from the bank statement right. and they're at risk of just running out of cash. And if you, as you know, if you run out of cash in Dubai, yeah. they're not going to put you on benefits. They're right. just going to kick you out of the country. Yeah. Or they're which happens more often, they're stockpiling cash. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They build up these massive cash reserves because they're too scared to invest it because they don't have any financial clarity whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So every business I always say needs performance reports, management accounts, financial metrics, and a CFO, yeah. chief financial officer, outside of the business, meeting with them once a week, once a month, once a quarter, yeah. to say, here's how we're performing financially. Yeah. Here's the risks, here's the opportunities. What are your strategies for growth for the next month, for the next quarter? So, and there's not really, like you said, when you go to Dubai and there's not uh, as much of a prevalence of SMP artists, there aren't really any great accountants out there yeah. supporting these entrepreneurs. Yeah. There's a massive gap there. So that's one of the reasons why why we want to open up a base in Dubai as well. I think Dubai as a country is great, but systematically, this they're quite far behind. Yeah. You know, in terms of accountancy and so on. And I think... Um, well, if usually though, traditionally, people only got accountants because they had to. Yeah. Because yeah. you have to file accounts legally. Mm -hmm. It's hard for people to see the benefit of paying an accountant, mm -hmm. a traditional accountant anyway, mm -hmm. because all they want to do is do your bookkeeping so they can keep your books up to date so they can file your taxes. Mm -hmm. They don't... They're not interested in setting financial goals with you and measuring your financial performance against the goals and saying, well, actually, if you move this here and this here and this here, you could make this much more money. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, being a UK-based company, um, you, you know, you will f have that upper reach and upper hand. Yeah. And I, I think even with Elixir... It adds a lot of credibility if you move out of the UK into yeah. somewhere else. Right? Yeah. I, I, and I think even with Elixir, I mean, I've noticed how Dubai just loves its luxury brands. You know, they love their luxury brands. And I see Elixir as a luxury brand, London. You know, that just has a lot of a credibility and that perception is just like, wow. And have you wow. had that name since the start? Was it always like that? Yeah, and the same logo. The same logo. So you invested in that and you got it right from the start. Mm -hmm. And my growth factor used to be called SRK Accounting, okay. which is Simon Richard Kalu. But when you Googled it, it came up with Sharat Khan. All right. So eventually we had to rebrand to Growth Factor, which was an expensive exercise. But yeah, 
I like the brand. I think Elixir is really nice and the colors with the gold and everything, it just gives you that, which is so important for a business as a lesson for for listeners is invest in your brand, understand your values, the colors, the font, the messaging, the language you use, it, it does really matter. Especially with a service like yours, where people are putting their trust and faith in you, every aspect of their interaction with your company needs to look polished. Yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, it looks like there's no care and attention to the details. Exactly, exactly. It's all that perception of the day, right? Yeah, and building confidence with your client, right? With your potential client. What have been so, so well, it's all been positive so far in our conversation. <laughs> You've moved out of sitting behind a computer as a software engineer or in software, right? Mm-hmm. To something that you've, got a real passion for which is a commonality amongst entrepreneurs you've been through a struggle yourself having lost hair follicles mm-hmm. you found a solution your hair looks amazing mm-hmm. it's a combination of you have got some hair there but it's also backed up with the smp right uh, yeah it, it's just the follicles that had um transplanted was yeah. the front just just a handful of them yeah and you've talked about your work ethic how you've attracted clients how you're in a mastermind how you've won awards how you've partnered with people but surely during the last eight years as well, there have been some struggles. Talk to me through some of those. Struggles, um, obviously COVID was a big one. Yeah. We were out for like two years. And I mean, Simon, I mean, it it was challenging uh, mentally as well. You know, someone that's just focused on working every single day, just sitting at home thinking, right, what can I do? And yeah. finding motivation to work on other things, you know? So I think that, you know, out of the eight years, you know, we can say, Two years were written off by COVID, right? Yeah, so technically yeah. it's been six years. Yeah, know? yeah. How did you get through that financially? Did you, I mean, the support from the government was, although it wasn't really thought through how they were going to fund it, I mean, for the actual, for the business, forgetting about all of the rest of it, it was good. Mm-hmm. And it, it people in your kind of industry would need that support because you wouldn't have seen that coming, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, something was better than nothing at that stage, you know? Yeah. Um, but um, I think mentally it was difficult. Mentally overcoming that was difficult. Um, what are the challenges? Um, I mean, challenges could be, you know, growing to the next stage. I think now I'm just at that thing where it's like, okay, I want new locations. I want a new challenge. I'm getting, uh, you know, I don't want to be complacent. I don't, just, you know, I just don't want one location. Because it's you doing the work, right? And you are an expert in the work. Right. How do you, which will be difficult for a lot of people, how do you transition from that to building a team? Yeah, exactly. I am the brand. So I'm quite picky with who I take on in terms of new artists. Um, yeah. You know, I, when when I'm training like five or six students, I can instantly tell, right, this one here has got the passion. Okay, so the training is quite nice because actually that could be a tie-in with recruitment. And when you see a natural ability plus a work ethic, you can say to that person, come and work with me and then give them even more one-to-one training. Exactly. Okay, that makes sense. On all the secrets and signature techniques and so on. I think scaling to Dubai is proving to be challenging because obviously not knowing the rules, regulations and so on. So I'm trying to figure that all out. That's that's obviously, but it's, it's a nice challenge. You know, it's a nice, hey, what's the next step? You know, I don't want to get complacent. I want to focus on, the next challenge, uh, the next chapter. So that's, um, I wouldn't say that's a drawback, but that's more of a challenge. What about overwork? Like, you're not going to say this, but I think a struggle from knowing you might be working too hard and not actually giving yourself some time to 
wind down and enjoy your life? So the work-life balance I really struggle with. Yeah. Um, I'm literally working from the minute I look at my phone in the mornings yeah. to the minute I sleep. I've lost relationships. I've lost friendships. I've had my friends like going on holidays where I've had to compromise and stay behind for that, you know? Yeah. And the problem is time is like the most valuable thing you got in the world. And I kind of forget that sometimes. And I think I'm so ambitious in what I'm doing. I'm so uh, focused and I kind of forget that I'm constantly working. Mm. Um, but then again, um, it's a passion for me. And, 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 and when someone turns around and says, Jay, you know, you're smashing it. You know, you're, you're doing really well. You started this from nothing. And that's like the best compliment in the world to me. Yeah. But if I could, if, if I could take time back, I would change a few things. I would try and get more of a work-life balance, which I'm trying to get onto now. Because you're recently married, right? So what are you going to do? I know we spoke about this before and you've only been married for three weeks, right? Yeah. What, what do you plan to adjust in your daily or weekly routine so you guys have some time together, even if it's, one day or half a day or you're having a date day or whatever how, how do you make sure that you're making time for that person yeah because uh, you might not have time during the week you might have a situation where you yeah. say listen monday to friday yeah that's it i come in well. you go out i'm working da, 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 da. but every time i speak to someone and they've been married a long time and they make it work every week on a weekly basis they've got some sort of blocked out time yeah I, th I think the calendar prioritizing blocked out time in your calendar was definitely good um on a sunday and um, that's that's my day um yeah. but evenings we'll always try and focus what i used to do right i used to kind of be doing smp like two three like two, I, I would have like two three clients a day yeah. where now i'm trying to kind of delegate more to um, GURPS, for example, who's yeah. now amazing, his work's now caught fire. It's yeah. like, right, you know, you can start taking a lot more of the procedures as well. Yeah. Where I'm just kind of mainly focusing on maybe one procedure a day, then I've got a few hours in the day to kind of focus on other topics. And other, yeah, working on the yeah, business. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Working on the business. Yeah, exactly. Partnerships, looking at the Dubai move, all of those things. Exactly. And then you've got some time in your evening. Exactly. So now it's all about just delegating tasks and... You know, it's not a skill that I kind of naturally had. Even working in the corporate world when I was a manager, I was kind of um, struggling with delegating tasks. It's yeah. like, right, let me just do it myself. I'll get it done better and I'll get it done faster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, that that's what... But now I'm kind of focusing on delegating tasks, trusting someone to just get it done, yeah. maybe giving them some feedback, follow-ups and so on. So, yeah. so you're in that transition now from working in the business to on the business. On right? the business, yeah. So I, I think that transition is quite difficult. It is difficult and it takes a few years. But when you're in it, that's the start of it. Exactly. And it's the start of getting to the point where I'm at, but I'm 12, 13 years into running the business mm -hmm. where I could not work if I want to and just go in once a week for relevant meetings to make decisions and keep moving things forward. But the team that are in place now can run the business for me. Exactly. But that took three or four years of transition. A lot a lot to still learn. Yeah. One of my questions was going to be, what makes a good SMP artist? But for me, I think you've already answered that. It's the willingness to work so hard that you're experiencing and improving by doing the work, but also you're seeking out others in the industry, willing to travel around the world to observe how they do it, talk to them, mm -hmm. learn, develop, constantly 
looking at new ways you can make things better, not just from your own abilities and learning from other people, but even down to the point of improving the equipment. Do you think that a, a separator between other people that have started in SMP versus you being at the top of the game is work ethic? I mean, we spoke about that, but where where does that, which can be detrimental sometimes, where does that work ethic come from? Is there anything around your childhood or the way that you grew up that links to the work ethic that you've got now? You know, we, we've trained some amazing artists around the world, um, but they just don't have the work ethic. They see the Instagram, because what you see on Instagram is the good stuff. Yeah. You, you know, you see me traveling or doing procedures and the videos, the content, and that, that, that's, the, that's the juicy stuff that everyone wants to see, right? But for me to get to that, uh, to kind of have that working holiday or, you know, that flexibility, it's taken a lot of work. Um, and what, what running my business and what, what, what this has actually taught me is that I'm actually a very hard worker. Yeah. I've never been a confident individual. But now it's like, you know what, <laughs> I can, I'm good at what I'm doing. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm quite different to, I'm cut from a different cloth. And I find, you, you mentioned childhood and, you know, I, I was in a situation where, had, where I, I was brought up with no parents from the age of 10. And I was in a situation where it's like, hey, I need to, I need to look after myself. I need to, uh, from a very young age, and, you know, as soon as I turned 16, it's like, right, job. You know, I remember working at my uncle's shop from six to 10, you know, and that was probably more of a priority for me um, than going to school and, you know, and playing football in the evenings or, yeah. you know, um, or whatever it was. And I think that was kind of inbuilt in me uh, from such a young age that it's like norm. It, it's the norm. And I kind of forget that. And from an Indian background as well, it's not everyone, but in your family, it sounds like you could see them working so hard for what they've got. So, yeah, I mean, you know, so just dealing with business uh, from a young age, it was a, it was a corner shop we were running, like an off-license, and it's like, right, this is the time you need to be here. So I had that dedication from a young age, uh, and then working. I remember wanting to buy a Golf GTI at the age of, like, 19. It was like a dream car for me, and I was yeah. like, I'm going to make it happen. And I remember getting any holiday, working double shifts or, you know, working within my summer break and making it happen. And it was, it was so rewarding, yeah. you know, driving into sixth form it was at the time with the best car, you know, and even now, you know, I'm like, all right, I'm 37 now. By the time I turn 40, my aim is to buy a Lamborghini. I mean, that that's my dream. That's what I wanted as, as a young boy. And I'm going to make it happen, whether I do that for six months and just Take it off my bucket list. Mm. I will make it happen. And I think rewarding yourself as a hard worker is so. Uh, I think buying a Lamborghini with, with your own hard work, with your own blood, sweat, and tears, is just like so rewarding. Even if I keep it for six months, a year, or whatever, I've ticked it off my bucket list. Yeah, I think there's a few things in there. It's like I think a lot of being in business and being an entrepreneur is a conflict, mm -hmm. right? It's a conflict between is it materialistic to buy a Lamborghini? Or is it the case of you've got one life, enjoy it, and that's a reflection of your hard work? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I sat down with a good friend of mine, Arsha Lahi, who's a very, very successful property investor, mm -hmm. trains people in property investment. And my mindset right then, before I spoke to him, was it's a waste of money. You're doing it really 
to show other people mm-hmm. your success. His point was no, he gets into his car in his garage with no one looking and he feels this sense of achievement for himself. And I just think there's a conflict because based on any given day, any given month, your mindset will shift between that's materialistic versus that's reward. And you just have to do what's right for you and don't give a fuck about what anyone else thinks, basically. Second point is actually now, if people want to buy cars, if you buy the right car at the right time on the right wait list, you can run a Lamborghini for a year, get the monthly payments down if you've got the right finance and funding company to say less than a thousand pounds a month because Mm -hmm. this finance company know the residuals. So the resale value of that Lamborghini Mm -hmm. so strong, all they really need to charge is the interest on the capital. Yeah. And you can run that car. Like, for example, my neighbor's got a Lamborghini Urus, bought it for 200, current value is 250. Wow. So if you're smart about these investments and these cars, you can have it both ways. Have your cake and eat it. Be materialistic, have the reward, have the sense of achievement, but also know you're not wasting money. But yeah, I think that's, it's interesting and you do work so hard as an entrepreneur, you deserve a treat. One of the terms that we we reference in business is asset allocation, not just putting all your eggs in the basket of Elixir. Mm -hmm. Because what if we have another COVID? Mm -hmm. What if we have another something else? Are you doing anything outside of the business? Are you investing in property? Have you seen any other opportunities? Do you generate revenue streams from sponsors? Is there any other forms of income or investment that you're doing that's the trick right having different revenue streams um and not just focusing on one um yeah i mean um i've got a good friend of mine that's a property developer um you know we 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 were working on some bonds and investing large sums of money with that which gives me a certain fixed percentage per month um one um one that i did was out in dubai uh, in october i bought an off plan Okay. Yeah, um, tell me about that. I, I I found that you know there's a lot of money getting invested into Dubai from different yeah. nationalities, and I just thought, w- again, just going into my rabbit hole, I just thought, right, Dubai is the place to invest in. Right, it's a developing country. Yeah. Um, it's constant. You know, you get more and more people migrating to Dubai on you know on a monthly basis. It's massively growing. They're you know they're predicting that the population is going to grow like pretty much double in the next five to six years. So property value will go up, right? Property value will go up. Um, I found that, you know, since COVID, the kind of, um, the traditional kind of apartments, like Dubai is all upwards, right? Yeah. I invested in a townhouse and you'll see how, you know, the values of townhouses and villas are going a lot more higher compared to the apartments. And I picked my location, chose my developer and I thought, you know what? Um, that money sitting in the bank's not going to grow. Let, let's just invest in this. And um, it, it was a great decision. Are you going to, is your plan, so what's your vision now? Uh, you've made good money on that and the capital appreciation is there so you can rent that out. But it, what's your personal vision right now? Is it to be driving in the Lamborghini, living in Dubai, living in the townhouse, running Elixir Dubai? Or what does yeah, that look like? Yeah, so my, my personal um, uh, so I will take about a year to open up the location. Yeah. Uh, it's currently in process. We're currently compounding the SEO and just, you know, our parents used to, just kind of getting my foot halfway in the door, right? Yeah. Um, so to begin with, uh, we're going to team up with a clinic and then just um, in, from September onwards. And then we're looking to actually opening, a, opening our own location maybe yeah. um, a year later. 
and have our own clinics and that's branded as London and you know so our own location I've already started yeah. looking into that and uh, float between London and Dubai so if you forget all the practicalities of it though which is really difficult I always ask this question to my clients mm. as well and they start exactly what you've done start going into the the practicalities and the realities of that situation mm -hmm. if you forget all the reality of it and you might do this as an exercise with your missus uh, or not if you haven't done it I'd recommend it and you just like close your eyes. You don't have to close your eyes on the YouTube. But, mm -hmm. And you have a vision for yourself mm -hmm. in say five years time. What does what your life look like? Um, what are you eating for breakfast? Where are you getting up? Where are you living? What are you driving? Who's in your team? What's in your bank account? These kind of things, right? So, so my 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 base will be in Dubai yeah. predominantly, right? So uh, obviously, I'll be going floating around different locations, maybe different locations, because obviously, once I'm in Dubai, we're looking at Saudi Arabia, you know, that location. You were looking at Qatar. We're looking at different locations. It's not as easy opening up businesses on your own out there because you need a local yeah, as yeah. an investor, um, which you might have to sign like 30 40 percent of the business away through way to so it's a lot more difficult but then they're talking about you know just kind of getting a kind of dubai model where you can just go out there as 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 a british um yeah you you, you can actually invest uh, and open up a location without having an emirati involved in your business whatsoever yeah, no specifics i remember you've woken up where are you living well, okay where are we living so out in dubai um having a location in dubai Still, still married. Yeah. You got any kids now? Five kids, years? yeah, a couple of kids. What's on your driveway? Possibly a supercar. Hope can't think about yeah. this too much, today. Yeah. It's just got supercar. Yeah, Ho hopefully, hopefully. Living in the townhouse, supercar on the driveway. Yeah, a couple of kids running around. Yeah, full heads of hair. <laughs> yeah, hopefully you're running Dubai. Is yeah. successful, presumably. Yeah. Yeah. Busy waitlist, yeah. two or three award-winning artists in there. You're going in and doing the treatments that you want to do, absolutely, just to stay stay in the game, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Thinking about the next locations that you're going to open. Yeah. So yeah, the, what what once I'm in Dubai, obviously, then you've got a whole bunch of different options out there, right? Because all these countries out there, SMP hasn't even reached. So, so maybe you've got Saturdays and Sundays free at this point, and you're going out for brunches on the Saturdays and taking the kids to play football or whatever you can do. What do you do if you move to Dubai in the summer when you can't go outside? I'm always curious to know for the people that move there full time, do they move somewhere else? So I was in Portugal recently at this place called Quinta de Lago, mm -hmm. which is like billionaire city. And I was talking to uh, this really nice couple and they were saying that their parents had a property there, it's probably 20, 30 million pounds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm which they'll spend the summer in mm -hmm. because it gets too hot where they live for the rest of the year, which is the Bahamas. So they'll start splitting their time between two different places because yeah. it's too hot to be in the Bahamas through the summer. So do you, do people in, who move to Dubai go and spend the summer back in Europe or? It, yeah. Um, a lot you of can't go outside then, can you? It's like 50 degrees. I mean, I, I have been to Dubai in August. Um, to be honest, the heat doesn't really bother me too much. Okay. Um, I like it. Um, and I mean, I, I was actually a few years ago, I was actually there for pretty much like three weeks in August doing oh, wow. procedures. Um, so it doesn't bother me to be, uh, to be honest. Um, cause they, everywhere you go out there, it's just way conditioned, isn't it? Yeah. And they're bringing everything as well. Like the culture of football, all the top players are going out to mm -hmm. Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. 
which is presumably all televised in Dubai, mm -hmm. they work out what people enjoy to do and watch mm -hmm. and recreate that. This is a random one. Business, as you talked about, it's really a 24-hour game, 24-hour sport. You probably said, you know, you think about it all day long, you go to sleep. But I bet if you wake up in the night to go to the toilet, you start thinking about it again. Yeah, you'll check your phone. Is there anything, <laughs> is there anything that you do right now, mindset-wise, to help you deal with that level of sort of stress and anxiety? Exercise, walking, meditation, um, diet, nutrition, hydration, anything like that. Put it this way. When I walk the dog, we'll go out on like a 45-minute, one-hour walk. Yeah. And I leave my phone at home. Is that on a daily basis? Pretty much. Yeah. What yeah. kind of dog have you got? An XL bully, an American bully. Oh, nice. I haven't seen that dog on you. Is that dog on your Instagram? Uh, I've got a personal Instagram for Oh, okay. Yeah, Fine. Yeah. All right. You've not so accepted me to that one. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, honestly, like if I take my phone with me, I know I'm getting distracted on phone yeah. calls, yeah. especially with international phone calls with different time differences. Or you'll start so doing little admin jobs, ordering things off Amazon, whatever it might be. So I, that that's my time to kind of switch off. Yeah. Um, I used to do a, I used to do a lot of yoga. Um, that like opposite the clinic, we've got hot yoga, Bikram yeah, yoga. Nice. Um, that was a good switch off. Um, that that was really good and um, more kind of on a spiritual level. Um, yeah, I listen to uh, quite a bit of roots reggae. I think that that's kind of gives me a. A, a good kind of even even while doing a procedure are you um, Sikh is that your religion Sikh, same yeah. as me yeah do you go to the Godwara yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely definitely I've definitely got a spiritual insight I think um, switching off uh, it is so difficult but um, maybe a bit of meditation will help um, that's yeah. what one thing I want to get into my routine um, I haven't been doing so far but um, I think that will really help yeah there's a really good app called Calm quite nice because it gives you the daily meditation but you meditate for, say eight nine minutes which is doable and then there's a teaching mm -hmm, for mm -hmm, the day mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where they'll talk for two or three minutes about an aspect of how you can improve your mm -hmm. mental well-being or your day-to-day -day. Mm -hmm. i find that quite nice i've got out of the habit of doing that mm -hmm. what i found really useful as well as i used to do an anxiety release meditation before i went to sleep okay it's like 15 minutes long you just listen to it and effectively fall asleep at the end of it that I found really great because I woke up the next morning with lower levels of anxiety, lower levels of stress, more focus, more energy. And that's on the same app, is it? Same app, yeah. Right. So saying this now, I'm actually going to use today as it's a Monday right. yeah. to get back into it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's good that you do that. I think it's super important that you take a li little bit of time each day and the dog needs walking, right? That's why it's so good to have a dog because mm -hmm. they rely on you. Yeah. And they'll tell you if they want. Exactly, exactly. I, I only got a dog because so my chiropractor said, your back is hurting. If you get a dog and you start walking, your back pain will be gone. Excuses. Yeah, 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 definitely helps. I think also going to the gym, I mean, um, it's not something that I do on a regular basis, but a few times a week. But I find like when I'm at the gym, when I'm tired, I come up with the best ideas. Anywhere outside of work, right? I come up, maybe it's to do with the oxygen levels or whatever, just, uh, but um, well, it, it gives me like that, it, maybe it's the testosterone linked in with the testosterone, I suppose, training legs or whatever. Or elevating it just kind of, the levels yeah. of various 
yeah. happy hormones because you're working out. But that's the thing, like you see that the mega successful business owners, right? The mega, mega, mega successful, the billionaires we're talking about, they will still take that time out to go to the gym. Yeah, 100%. Look at Tony Robbins, gets up, goes in a cold plunge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Meditates yeah. for 15 minutes. Yeah. In every single day, he'll be doing exercise. That's one thing, cold showers, that's, that's a good idea as well. Isn't yes, it? I, I bought the little Lumi um, cold tub, the one right. that sits in the garden. Mm -hmm. But because we've been in a heat wave, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I haven't even bothered to put it up because if I pour it with water, that water is going to quickly be 20 degrees. And I haven't got enough room in my freezer mm -hmm. to freeze ice to put into the thing. Because mm -hmm. if you buy the ice bath, ideally you want one that's plugged in. Okay. That's constantly at that yeah. five degrees or whatever it is. But they're thousands of pounds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's not really proven. It does decrease inflammation, but it's not really proven. It's more of a mindset thing. Mm -hmm. So I bought the cheap one because I think nine months of the year, mm -hmm. England's cold enough to yeah. just put the water in, put the lid on and you just go and get inside. I'm looking forward to the day when I can just chuck my kid in there, tell him it's a nice warm bath and I've been <laughs> naughty and just chuck him in a two degree ice bath. How do you manage your social media commitments? Do you make content and batch it and post it up? Do you have a team that helps you? Because a lot of what you do is putting out content and then people will see it. That's how I found you. I looked up hashtag SMP on Instagram I looked up all the different um, artists. I wanted the most natural look. Mm -hmm. So there were two or three artists that I really liked. But instead of going to the one that's really near me, mm -hmm. I traveled to you, which is like three hours each way mm -hmm. because of the case studies that were on the Instagram, because yeah. of the quality that you could see, the before and afters, right. the way you shoot the video. That's such a big commitment. Does it weigh on your mind? Do you preload content? Does someone do it for you? How do you manage that? Social media, my Instagram is, is that Elixir account is something that I run myself. Yeah. Um, to be honest, a lot of it is done by, my, by myself. Um, yes. Do you do it on the day and then you post yeah. it? Or do you do a video and then you store them somewhere? I store them. And I then store them. Got them to release. Yeah, I, I store them. Um, even my photos, I just store them, um, and I don't kind of buffer them out. It's just when and when, to be honest. So there's no like set plan. Is it roughly once a day that you're posting on my stories? I try and be active, yeah. uh, but I think. Um, but the page posts aren't Instagram today. It needs. I think it needs to be because uh, that's yeah. what Instagram likes, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, I mean, that that's the thing with business. It's the business side and now social media is just a brand new element, which yeah. makes it so much more difficult. And unless you've got a really good system. So what I do is I record these podcasts, mm -hmm. give them to an editor who, who gives me um, your camera okay. synced to the audio, my camera synced to the audio so I can clip reels. Okay. okay. And then I have one plan for LinkedIn because that, LinkedIn is a different beast. You have to put specific content on there to get reach. Mm -hmm. But everything else, so TikTok, YouTube shorts, Instagram, threads, email, mm -hmm. and the blog update, right. that's seven things. Mm -hmm. I can do content for all of that in about 45 minutes. Wow. So I think if you're batch, do it, which is what I'd recommend for a business owner, work out a way that you can create long form content mm -hmm. and batch it. Mm -hmm. and then either get someone else or just use QuickTime on your Mac to, to clip little reels. Yeah. So if I clip a reel from this and we're speaking about moving to Dubai, for example, mm -hmm. I'll take the captions from that and I'll write and expand it into an email mm -hmm. about moving to Dubai. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That will become a blog post. Blog post right? the, re the same reel goes into an app called Captions. It puts the captions on 
that will go on TikTok, YouTube Shorts, uh, Instagram, Facebook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then on LinkedIn, it'll be something different, mm-hmm. like a news article about Dubai because news articles get reach. Reels on LinkedIn don't get reach because mm-hmm. people tend to be in an office environment. Mm-hmm. So that, But that took me three or four years to get into that flow that works for me. And that only works for me. Someone else who doesn't have a podcast, yeah. that might not work for. So I guess the advice is you've got to find out a rhythm yeah. that works for you. That as well. And also we're looking at kind of different software implementations, automate, uh, automizing a lot of um, emails, uh, yes. messages and yeah. so on. And I think that's just the way forward because... Um, with a new location, the more volume that we get, it's just going to get more and more difficult to deal with. And if that Dubai is the central location for running the business, you can have a marketing team in there. You can have a sales team dealing with inquiries yeah. and you can have a partnership team reaching out to develop new partnerships exactly. all from Dubai. Yeah, exactly. Which would be more tax efficient because the tax rates in Dubai are basically nothing at the moment. Mm-hmm. And if you're running all of that from Dubai, all of those costs are going through Dubai and you can charge the UK company. Yeah. That is a head office, yeah. So, which is another reason why loads of people move to Dubai, just to save on tax. But what they don't realise is they save on tax and then unless you're very, very careful, you're paying 15 quid for a Coca-Cola and then there's all your tax relief gone. Exactly. So you have to manage your lifestyle as well. Style as well. And it's easy falling into that trap out in Dubai, right? Yeah, 100%. A lot of distractions. And that's one in the positive for for the UK. So at the moment, how would you say you generate leads for the business? Is it just putting out content and people come to you? It's content, it's referrals, um, you know, did the different um, blogs. Um, it could be um, Google so you do Ads. SEO and Google SEO Ads. SEO is a yep. big one. And I think. Have you seen that Hike SEO, which is kind of like, I'm sure there are other companies that do it. AI-driven SEO that analyzes your website and tells you what you need to change. AI-driven? No. Yeah. no. It's basically a software. Okay. Called, I've seen it on Instagram. I'm not sure if it's good, called Hike. Mm-hmm. You plug it into your website mm-hmm. and it will do the SEO for you without a human being. Yeah, so that's, um, that's smart. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, SEO is like constant. And I think if you kind of at this... At the moment, I mean, if if you kind of compound that your mark in SEO, yeah. um, you know, it's probably easier doing that now than in five years' time, right? Yeah. So, and that's constant. And we constantly need to be writing blogs uh, about different, you know, here. So I guess you've got a flow of things, right? You're creating content. You're going out and speaking and ideally filming that content. Because yeah. if you had a full-time videographer mm-hmm. who followed you around oh, yeah. Yeah. and edited reels, mm-hmm. that would be your content production done, wouldn't exactly. it? Exactly. So it's just creating the cash flow and the budget for a full-time editor, which mm-hmm. might cost two grand a month. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then it's game over because you're not having to run the social media whatsoever. Exactly. That's their full-time job. Exactly. Then you've got partnerships mm-hmm. that you're nurturing, I guess, developing mm-hmm. new ones. Mm-hmm. They'll be sending you people, yep. other SMP clinics or hair transplant clinics or Correct. whomever. Um, and I, so I guess it's kind of the, the takeaway is you can't just do one thing. You've got to have multiple ways of generating leads. You've got to think about, you, you, you're, I'm constantly trying to think out of the box. You know, um, YouTubers, um, YouTube, the YouTube channel, um, you know, creating a video on YouTube to do with a botched result and how someone removed That's a it. big one Different actually stories. Well. Yeah, because yeah, so. you're not really doing that now at the moment, YouTube, right? Yeah. Yeah. But if you really understood YouTube, 
and got into or partnered with someone that's already got a big following. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just about if someone writes in SMP, they want to find you. Exactly. And then clearly, I guess for you, your SMP for people that want a natural look, mm-hmm. some people won't want a natural look. They want that really sharp styled look and they'll go to someone else right so it's clear who you're for yeah i mean but as an artist you need to adapt um you you need to be able to do everything okay so you would you say that you would create the look based on what the client wants okay okay fair enough based on the individual's lifestyle and what they want as an artist i need to deliver what they want right so also um i think youtube is probably like now the second largest search engine after Google, isn't yeah, it? All right. Yeah, so yeah, um, yeah. if you're looking for a and it powers like, SEO on Google on as well. SEO as well. Yeah. So it's, it's it all goes hand in hand, right? And um, then I think it's really important, obviously, to be on top of your financials because if you understand your cash flow, mm-hmm. you know exactly how much money you can budget for advertising. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because the easiest thing is to just put money behind Great. your YouTube, Great. run Google Ads sponsor your Instagram posts, Mm -hmm. and then you're dominating everyone else because you've built up more cash flow than these startups. So to separate yourself, you're just putting a little bit of spend behind all your content. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how do you convert prospects? So I'm trying to remember how I moved from prospect to booked in client. I think it was just all done on email. It was all email. Uh, we Nowadays, it's normally like a phone consultation. Email or phone consultation. Um, since COVID, things have changed. I mean, when we first started, it was more like, hey, um, can I come to your clinic? Can you yeah. draw me a mock-up? Can you... Uh, I, I want a face-to-face consultation. Yeah, it's yeah, like... Yeah. Uh, or or uh, another big one was, I need to see it in person. Yeah. Right? But nowadays, it's more like, okay, what hairline do you want? When can you come in? Uh, this is how much it will cost. And the cameras now are so high definition, and you're not putting pictures up, you're putting video. Videos. So videos can can't see. be edited, yeah. So that's, that's, that's all. And we spoke yeah, about the so. delivery. I think the delivery for you to be the best just comes down to the work ethic and the willingness to keep learning. Yeah. Because yeah. you can learn from anyone, can't you? There'll be other SMP artists that come up with their own techniques that share them with you and you could say, oh, hey, do you know what? I could incorporate that. Yeah, I mean, as an artist, you never stop learning. Yeah. You, you can never be complacent. Um, th- 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 there's, I mean, you know, even the pioneers of SMP will still be learning, you know, people that have been doing it for like 13, 14 years. Yeah, yeah. So, and you're constantly learning from each other. My, just to touch on mine, and then I want to ask you for your three keys to success and then, Anything else we haven't spoken about, we can go through and then we'll wrap up. My journey was, for those of you that are watching, if you're listening, you can just imagine my hairline in your head. I had a kind of a monk look. So I had the hair all around the outside, literally nothing on the top. So I booked a hair transplant in Turkey because I was really self-conscious about it, right? It used to get me down. I had the, the front done. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't as happy with where the hairline was, but they didn't want to bring it too far forward because there's a limit to what you can do. There's a hair transplant. They're taking hair follicles from the back of your head and they're implanting them in the front. Yeah. And they can't magically create follicles. They can only work with what's there. And if they take too much, they leave scars. So it's all a balance, right? Yeah. So I was happier that you, I'd had it done at the front, but you could see it was a hair transplant. Mm-hmm. Also, what happened, which is quite funny, I had the hair transplant on the front and then COVID happened, so I couldn't go back for the back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I had like half a hair transplant. Oh, wow. Okay, okay. And then 
in between me having the front and the back done, the clinic that I went to started to get lots of bad reviews. Okay. So I sought out a different clinic for the back, went back, had the back done. They actually had new technology, but it was a bit like they were doing 30 procedures a day. It was a, it was like one in, one out. They didn't care about you. I went in, had them draw some blood. And because they didn't do it properly, because the people in there aren't really that well qualified, my whole arm went sort of twice the size, just filled up with blood mm -hmm. because they got a vein. Mm -hmm. or they'd done the injection wrong. If you're medically trained, you probably know what they did. But my arm just filled up with blood oh, wow. before, this is the night before they're going to do the hair transplant. Mm -hmm. So this is not filling me That's with... That's getting me nervous. Yeah. Anyway, they did the back. Uh, the result was quite good. But again, you could see the difference between the front and the back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You could see where they'd now taken the hair because they'd taken so many follicles from the back. I had these gaps in the back. And I just generally wasn't very confident. The other thing to note was, it took me probably three months to recover from the first one. And it was probably six months of recovery for the second one until the top of my head got some feeling back in it. Yeah. It wasn't shiny because they basically create scar tissue. I just, I said to anyone who asked me, would I go back for a third one? I would never go back and I wish I'd never had the second one. Then yeah. when I found you and I came for SMP primarily to increase the density, Mm -hmm. which for those of you listening or watching just means make it look thicker yeah. to look at the possibility of bringing the hairline forward. Cause I shoot a lot of online content and to mean when I turn my head side to side to blend in between the hair transplants, which I thought this is probably isn't possible. And I'm probably living in a dream world, but actually I feel like that's what we've achieved now mm -hmm. over three treatments. You've brought the hairline forward. You've made the hair more dense. Mm -hmm. You've totally uh, covered up the back of my head where I had um, almost like scars from where they'd taken it out. You can't see that now. Mm -hmm. I would never wear caps before with the open back mm -hmm. because I was paranoid about the difference between where the hair transplant started and also the scars. And my confidence now, which you need to be confident in how you look mm -hmm. to go on camera, to do a podcast, to talk to clients, to step on stage, to Definitely. do all these things. It's been like life-changing for me, especially for now, because I think in today's society, even as men now, right, we're, we're judged on how we look. Yeah. And I, I find um, the what better looking you are. Yeah. You know, I, I, it's Rightly sad. or wrongly, rightly or wrongly, and not even necessarily the better looking you are, but the more well-presented you are. Well-presented, that's it, probably the word. That's yeah. an indication of confidence. If you yeah. turn up with a botched, hair transplant and scars on the back of your head. Yeah. Like it just does not really instill confidence in people that you're trying to mm -hmm. instill confidence in, whether you're speaking to them as uh, part of audience, uh, an audience in a stage, mm -hmm. or you're speaking to your clients online, or you're doing a podcast or whatever it is. Now I'm not saying my hair's perfect, but from before, if you look at my hair now, if you watch the YouTube, but then imagine before I literally just had hair going around the back like a monk and zero on the top. It's incredible, the difference. Incredible. Absolutely. But I wish I had have just skipped both hair transplants and I knew that SMP was a thing. So I really wish that people create content on the hashtag and the search terms, hair transplant yeah. for SMP. Yeah. So when you search for where's the best place to get a hair transplant, a video comes up that says, have you considered just getting SMP? Because if I'd have just got SMP, 
I would have not had to have gone through trip to Istanbul, scars on the back of my head, not wanting to go out of the house, six months recovery time, five grand down, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. plus all the treatments and the shampoos and the hair conditioners and everything else. Not sleeping for two weeks after the procedure because you've got to lie on your back and not move. Yeah. One, it would have made my life easier. But if you get the scalp micropigmentation done yeah. on skin that hasn't been tampered with, it's easier. you get so much of a better result. Yeah, you yeah. know, we call it virgin skin. So if you get SMP done on skin, that's just that that's a dream world for me. My skin is so thick where they've done the hair transplant, exactly. right? Exactly. Exactly. So it makes it it's, it's technically your scar tissue. Yeah. Um, so it works a lot more better and obviously, you know, you get a better result and so on. But um, yeah, you're looking good regardless. So, yeah. And there's nothing wrong, I think, in this day and age. I mean, I'll speak about other things that I do in future podcasts, like testosterone therapy. And um, I had, a, 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 which you know about, yeah. a medical condition where I had wrinkles in the top of my scalp that is not really treatable. Uh, and I've had that treated by, um, I'm not sure what you'd call this person, but a doc it's a doctor that does clinical the, cosmetic yeah. treatments yeah. with hyaluronic acid fillers, basically, which mm -hmm. has solved the problem. Yeah. But I just think my point is that if you're a man and you're in 2023, you don't have to be, I'm a man, I just deal with my shit and actually feel bad about it. Mm -hmm. You can go out and do these things like SMP or fillers or... Botox or teeth whitening or whatever you want to do. So long as it's not from a place of vanity, it's from a place of, it's a genuinely gets me down. Yeah. So I want to not get down about it. I used to shave the back of my head and see the wrinkles in the back of my head and it would get me down. It would depress me, right? Same with the, before I had SMP, I'd shave the back of my head and I'd look at this big spot where there was n nothing there. Yeah. yeah. Now, even to me, it looks like hair. Even though I know it's not. Yeah. So I think the whole kind of male grooming industry, the male aesthetics industry is just massively growing. And it's far more acceptable for men to say, right, I'm get, getting this done. We will notice such a difference between like the younger generation. Do you yeah. think, I mean, you've got two sons now. Imagine they were dealing with hair loss in about 10 years, no, 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 10 years, about 20, say 15 years or so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine they were dealing with hair loss. I mean, they won't just accept it. No, no. It's more like, hey, what can I do about this? Yeah, yeah, Let yeah. me get this treated. Yeah. You know, because there's so many options out there and men are like openly speaking about it. So we, we get our clients that are like in their early 20s that are just openly talking about it and they will openly, you know, just like you are, you know, they will just, you know, say, right, put me on Instagram. Yeah, That's I think fine. I'm a bit different for my age because lots of people I know who are my age, will not go out the house for two weeks after a hair transplant or not tell anyone they've had SMP yeah. because they don't want people to know because they think they'll judge them. But it's people weird. don't judge people for yeah. doing that now. It's like ED, like men don't want to talk about it. It's like, all right, I've had a hair transplant. Let me let me just keep it quiet, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I think um, saving up for a hair transplant or SMP or anything that you want to do in terms of skincare or whatever, it's just far more accepted now, which is great. So what are your, just to bring things together, and you can repeat the points that we've already touched on. You've been super successful, right? You're world-renowned, one of the leaders in the industry. You're teaching other people. You're at the top of your game, right? You've done so well. And you should be proud of yourself to go from starting up to eight years later now, which is not a long time in an entrepreneurial journey to, to get to where you've got to. 
for those of us who are listening or for those of you that are listening or watching, what are your three keys to success? What are your three principles that have made you successful that you yeah. still have today? I think having a vision um, yeah. is so important. so important. I think the clearer your vision, the more likelihood it's going to happen, right? Yeah. Um, having like a, having a game plan, a three-year yeah. game plan, five-year game plan, just like you asked me. I'm like, you know, I've already... I can already start imagining my 40th birthday. Yeah. You know, it's, I, I want this or this is how it's going to be and just having a clear vision. Yeah. Um, just positive energy and positive thinking. I think that just attracts so much positivity. Yeah. You know, I know it's so difficult. I mean, you probably get it as well, Simon. And as as a business owner, what you see on Instagram, it's not always skyrocket. It's like, I have my down days, yeah, 100%. but I try and overcome them. And it's so lonely sometimes. I'm just having a conversation with myself. It's my voice talking to me. And it's yeah. like, try and get out of that, you know, to, to, just try and look at the positivity. Be positive. And like you said, surround yourself with positive people. Because also if your partner is not an entrepreneur, they will be there to support you but it is almost impossible for them to empathize and understand what you're going through because they're not running a business themselves. So you have to have other people that are entrepreneurs that will give you the time, which I've got now, that you can phone up and just say, I'm having a bad day. Can we have a chat? Exactly. Then they understand what you're going through. Exactly. Yeah, so have a vision, make it really, really strong, update it as and when it needs updating. Doesn't even need to be documented. It could be like we talked about, just close your eyes and say, what does my life look like in three years time? Yeah. Be positive and surround yourself with positive people. And that's the 10X thinking, think big. Yeah. Yeah. What about a third key? I think um, thinking big, yeah. you know, I, I, like I said, since childhood, I've never been a confident individual. Um, so it's been very difficult. If I can do it, anyone can do it, right? Because what shocked me is all of your reels and all of your online content, so right. polished okay. and you look so confident. Yeah. And when we came, I could tell straight away that, you know, if you're going to go on camera, you'll really think about it. If you're going to shoot yourself in a reel, you might shoot that. We spoke about this four or five times because you feel like you didn't get the delivery of the words totally correct, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which just shows that obviously you're building up your confidence and it's growing and growing and growing, but you're not necessarily as you come across on social media. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. People might watch that reel and think that's perfect, but you might have shot that reel 10 times. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Exactly. Right? That's fair, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, when I first started going on camera, I was just nervous as hell. Yeah. I couldn't get my words out. And I think, yeah, you're gradually building your confidence and um, thinking big. What I mean by that is, you know, imagine, you know, starting off, I was like, hey, you know, okay, even if I get, you know what, even if I get one client a week, it's fine. But no, what what did I really know? I'm getting three clients a day. You know, we're fully booked for like two months. You know, it, and I've really surprised myself. Um, so just believing in yourself. I've got yeah. believe going right down my neck for that. You know, just believing in yourself and knowing you can do it. Yeah. You know, um, I get sick and tired of people that just give me excuses. Ah, I can't do that for this reason. I can't do that for this reason. I've, yeah. sent, I've sent 50 emails. I haven't had a reply. It's like, I don't, I don't feel sorry for you. Just focus on it. Keep doing it. Yeah. You will get somewhere. Yeah. And um, it doesn't come easy, man. It doesn't come easy, guys. But um, just keep going. Be positive and uh, just, just achieve your dreams, I think. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I think that's the biggest separator from the people that I've had. You're the 11th podcast guest now, but obviously I've listened to a fair amount of podcasts and mm. 
probably worked with thousands of entrepreneurs over the last 12 years. The biggest separator is consistency in doing the hard things, mm -hmm. but they've set that big vision mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then they have to work out how to achieve it. Yeah. But the working out how to achieve it, and I know we're talking about this guys over and over again, but it's such a big point. It hasn't been made on the podcast yet. The how you get there is the easy part. Yeah. But you will have to try and fail to work out what works to get there. Yeah. And we can't give you this simple formula because every business is different. Yeah. But if you say, I need five new clients a week, if you never give up, you keep being resourceful, which means talking to other people. How are you doing it? Reading books, going on courses, joining masterminds, Googling, watching anything it takes, basically. Mm -hmm. Eventually, you can get to the answer of anything. It's just a question of, not giving up and quite a lot of the time just before you're about to have that breakthrough and get to the thing that works and get to the answer is when it's the hardest absolutely so it's like reminding yourself if it's really really hard now i'm probably quite close to a breakthrough yeah, yeah. so don't quit now yeah. is there anything that you wanted to speak about that we haven't gone through um yeah no pretty much um yeah, I mean, um, it, it, you, you've had some great questions. I think we've pretty much covered everything I want to kind of mention. And um, yeah. I think it's been a really good insight into you as an individual, yeah. as a human being. What separates you, which is what the whole podcast is all about, what separates you from other artists and how have you been so successful? A bit more about your journey. Mm -hmm. Podcast is supposed to be inspirational and entertaining, but also practical application of taking things away, which we've really got, especially with that last point about resourcefulness for those of you that are listening either if you're interested in an smp interested in getting trained in this um or just interested in following jay and his journey online how can people get in touch with you or just follow along with your so journey? website is elixirpigmentation.com um instagram handle elixir micropigmentation um so you can send us a dm send us an email info at elixirpigmentation.com and um, yeah, we can touch base, arrange a consultation. If you're interested in a journey, um, a, a new career for like uh, the fastest growing hair loss solution in the world, do get in touch with us. It's, you know, sometimes I really sit back and think, you know what, it's the best job in the world that I've got. I mean, I just love changing lives. I love transformations. You're doing something so personal for someone. I've made great friends from this, you know, yeah. and you know, a lot of the, and, and the connection that you build with people, you know, it's not just hair loss, you know, you get to know them as a stranger, mm. you know, because you spend so much time with them. Um, so, you know, sometimes it could just be the best job in the world. And, um, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that I'm here, that I've, that I've achieved this. I'm so grateful that I probably even lost my own hair. Otherwise, I probably would not have been here. Everything happens for a reason, right? Exactly. Exactly. God's got a plan. And I... I and because I lost my own hair, I can really relate to a lot of my clients in the same way as well. Yeah. Um, you know, some of them, you know, not dating women for like eight, nine years or, you know, it's, and it's so, you know, not even taking the baseball cap off for so probably many probably not years. telling anyone that not they telling feel like anyone. Wearing hair systems is a massive secret, you know, yeah. it's, uh, so, you know, we're dealing with like disorders, you know, um, so it, it's great, you know, trying to help people in that sense as well. So um, absolutely. So if you're interested in a career or interested in a procedure, uh, drop us a DM and uh, yeah, we'll definitely um, help you out and um, 
discuss your options further. Awesome. Thanks for coming down, man. It's thanks been an absolute time. pleasure. Thank you. Guys, thanks for tuning in for another episode of Founder Stories, and we'll see you in the next one. Thank you.